Welcome back to the Love Your Life podcast. Very special episode this week. I'm going to interview myself. In the intro episode, I talked a little bit about my background in applied behavior analysis. I wanted to get into a little bit more about what that meant and where it's taken me on my journey uh, through education and, and as a provider. So started back uh, while I was an undergrad at TCU, Texas Christian University. I was studying neuroscience and I absolutely fell in love with research. But working with animals wasn't something I felt like I could do for the rest of my life. I ended up applying to graduate school and was accepted into Dr. Anna Peter's daughter's lab. It was there that I was first exposed to the experimental analysis of human behavior, or what a, would later transition for me into behavior analysis. I had the opportunity to work in Dr. Peter's daughter's lab, learning all about early childhood development, in particular as it relates to the development of language and skill acquisition around language. I absolutely loved it. I had the opportunity to work with a variety of children, both neurotypical as well as those on the autism spectrum. And I was drawn to the support we were able to provide to those kids who had a developmental disability. I left Dr. Peter's daughter's lab and ended up pursuing a PhD at the University of Nebraska Medical Center. It was there that I continued my education and ultimately became a board certified behavior analyst. And I absolutely loved it. it gave me the opportunity to work across a wide array of challenges from toilet training and early language to challenging behavior like biting, pinching, and even taking light bulbs out of a neighbor's yard. It was an absolute thrill, and I really enjoyed the support we were able to give both our patients and their families. I transitioned up to the Peer Center for Autism in Northwest Iowa in Sioux City. It was a great pleasure. I ran it as the clinical director for nearly four years. We were able to help dozens of families around the Siouxland get the type of care and concern they had met. Behavior analysis on a broad scale really focuses on human behavior. There are those who focus on animal behavior as well, but at least for me in ABA, we focused on socially significant behavior. Some socially significant behaviors are things like getting peas passed at the dinner table or learning how to properly ask to use the restroom or even finding mom and dad's attention in an appropriate manner. And oftentimes what we found with the kids who came to us, whether they had autism or other challenging behavior, was that they had learned a strategy that worked for them. It was functional. When mom or dad were busy, maybe they pulled on mom's shirt and got a cookie. And they learned that by pulling on mom's shirt, I can get the food I want. Or maybe they yelled and screamed until mom and dad paid some attention to them. They learned that instead of using a quiet indoor voice, yelling and screaming was going to be the fastest way to get them the attention they were after. We often had to teach the child a more appropriate response. Sometimes that was a card exchange, sometimes that was a vocalization, and sometimes that was sign language or some other form of communication. But it was equally important to teach the parents about what was going on for their child. Oftentimes that meant teaching the parent the difference between reinforcement and punishment. Reinforcement is a situation where we're going to increase the likelihood of a future behavior, where a punisher is going to decrease the likelihood of a behavior. Reinforcement can have both an additive effect, what we would call positive reinforcement, or a removal situation where we call it negative reinforcement. 
In the positive reinforcement situation, we're adding something. So maybe we give a piece of candy or some free play time when a child learns a new response. On the situation of negative reinforcement, we're removing a task that is maybe less preferred. So maybe your spouse washed the, the dishes and so you take out the trash. Or they cooked your favorite meal so you wash the dishes where normally that's something they might do. That's all to encourage that behavior to occur again. So them cooking that favorite meal, that child engaging in that new response for the first time, repeating that response over and over. Punishment, on the other hand, is meant to reduce undesirable behavior, essentially. So, for example, adding a situation could be your child threw something in the house that they're not supposed to throw. By adding a chore, you reduce the likelihood that they're going to throw again in the future. You may also remove something from their situation. So maybe they threw uh, the remote control to their Nintendo or PlayStation and you remove that PlayStation so they no longer have access to it. That would be a situation that reduces the likelihood that they can engage in that behavior again in the future. We all have reinforcers and punishers. Neurotypical adults go to work to earn money so they can pay for food and housing and clothing and their car. All of these are reinforcers. They also want to avoid the unpleasantness potentially of living on the street or not being able to take a family vacation and so they continue to show up at work. We engage in social situations that may be less pleasant because the alternative could be worse. And so with applied behavior analysis, we focus on those socially significant challenges. We focus on the things that each individual child and their family are struggling with and get them the support and care that they need. I have two myths around autism and behavior analysis that I want to dispel. The first is related to vaccines. While I can never say with 100% certainty that no child has ever had a vaccine that led them to a situation where they ended up having autism later on. What I can say is that we've spent more than two decades now fighting a single research study that said that there was a link, and in reality, there is not. There are literally hundreds of thousands of individuals who've gotten diagnoses, who've been under study, that have shown no link between autism and vaccines. If you have concerns about vaccines, this podcast is meant as an opportunity to have a conversation about evidence-based practice. Go speak to your pediatrician. Learn what you can from the source. Wikipedia is not that source. The other thing I want to talk about is with regard to behavior analysis. Behavior analysis is meant for socially significant behavior change. It is not meant to force any child to do anything that they don't want to. It is meant to identify the challenges that they face within their family unit and within the greater social construct and give them the tools that they need to function to their optimum. Again, that could be as simple as that child learning how to ask for a cup of water or asking for food when they need it. It's also attempting to reduce challenging behavior that gives them the opportunity for more positive social interactions. For example, a child who engages in self-stimulatory behavior or stimming may be in a situation where they have this stereotypic repetitive behavior that prevents other children from wanting to engage with them. 
That doesn't mean we want to stop it at all points in time. In fact, it may serve a very vital role for a given child here or there. But if it stops them from having other positive social interactions, then it's putting a limit on the opportunity for new and novel reinforcers. And so by teaching an opportunity of when to engage in that behavior and when not to engage in that behavior, the child opens up a whole new world. The same is true for a neurotypical adult. We learn how to interact around our boss and their spouse different than how we might interact around our own spouse and our children and our close family and friends. We would interact differently with the President of the United States, potentially, than we would with our best friend. That doesn't mean that you are appropriate or inappropriate. It just means that there are different social significances to each situation. And we want to be able to teach each individual child what is expected within their family and social units. Whenever a patient came to me or a family came to me, I wanted to know their specific goals. I wanted to know specific functional communication. What did they want their child to be able to communicate that currently their child was unable to do so? I wanted to know what other treatments were out there. Applied behavior analysis is wonderful. It is the gold standard in evidence-based care for autism spectrum disorder. But that doesn't mean that collaboration with an OT, a PT, or a speech language pathologist wasn't a valuable resource. And so I wanted to know what other treatments were being used and how they helped support our treatment from an applied behavior analysis standpoint and how we could help them get the most out of their care as well in those other situations. And finally, I wanted to know what significant behaviors the parent might want to increase or reduce. So this could be self-stimulatory behavior, that stereotypy that I was just talking about, or it could be something like hand-washing, teeth brushing, or using the restroom. Those are the things I wanted to know. I'm not currently practicing as a behavior analyst, but there are thousands throughout the United States who want to help kids live their best life. If you have questions, you can reach out to the Behavior Analyst Certification Board or to me, and I can help you help point you in the right direction. I hope you loved this episode of the Love Your Life podcast. I'm always here to answer your questions. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Love Your Life podcast. We hope it helps you take the next step in your healthcare journey. If you loved it, share it on social media. Give us a review in your podcast player of choice or drop us a line about a topic you want covered. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Physical Therapy and Balance Centers of Oklahoma City. Physical, F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L. Physical, spelled different because we are different. I'd also like to thank our producer, Julia Burwell, and Elise Collier for her fabulous intro. The Love Your Life podcast is meant for informational purposes, but should never replace the individualized advice of your medical professional. If you need advice, speak directly with a healthcare provider.